Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Kathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting-edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. Today on the podcast, we have Emily Mackey, founding director of Speak About Speech Pathology. And as usual, we are juggling a bit of technology, but we are good to go. Welcome, Emily. Hi, Kathy. Thank you for having me. I'm so great to pleasure. so great to be here. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. So, introduce yourself. What uh, What do we need to know about speak Speak About Speech Pathology, and more importantly, you as a business owner? Um, so like you said, my name is Emily Mackey. Uh, I've been a speech therapist now for 11 years and um, I've been a business owner of Speak About Speech Pathology for seven of those years. And I, I guess I love, my vision is to help children. So that's what our clinic does. We help children from about 18 months of age all the way up to about 18 years, depending on their um, difficulties and delays. But uh, I, I assume, I guess I can say I just love helping children and I love speech pathology as a career and I love being able to mentor and train other speeches in, you know, how to be great speech therapists mm. as well. So that's, that's sort of in a nutshell um, what I love to do. The, the business has at the moment speak about, so we've been going for seven years, we have um, four, uh, four full-time speech therapists working in our clinic. We have two locations, so one in Richmond, the Hawkesbury, if people are from Sydney, or we've got a base in Tugra on the Central Coast. And we also have some administration that help us help the speeches out, I should say, and um, that help things run smoothly. So that's that's the business and me in a little bit of a nutshell. Yeah. What um what were your motivations for going into business all those years ago? <laughs> well, it's, that's a really funny question because I feel like I didn't actually intentionally set out to do um, a business or have a business. It was more circumstantial. And I had worked at the local hospital and community health centre for three years and I'd always been in a maternity leave position and that sort of just kept getting extended. However, um, the speech he was coming back. So they said to me, you can have work for three days a week. So the other two days, I looked around for different jobs and got offered different jobs. But um, I sort of just by circumstance and then working for other people, I just thought I probably just prefer to help. I want to keep helping children in the Hawkesbury. So these jobs were out of the Hawkesbury area. And that's sort of like just where my heart really was in that area so I just I thought oh I'll just see what happens and um just it just happened naturally I guess a couple of people just asked me you know can you see some children on the side privately and then I thought okay I'll do that in those two days so didn't actually set out and say yes I'm going to start a business yes this is what I want to do and so it's just accidental business begins you're not the first to have said that in here yeah (laughs) I guess you don't 
it's good and bad. Like you don't know what you're in for mm. because you've not researched or, you know, I haven't read, hadn't read any books. I hadn't sort of made the decision going, okay, this is, you know, financially what it would cost me. I just thought, you know, as a health professional, I just thought, well, I just want to help children. So <laughs> I I did that and um, that's sort of just how it happened. But then eventually, like I said, I was like, well, you can only see so many, you can only do so much. <laughs> In running a business, you can only help so many people, and then, um, and then you sort of have to make those decisions. But at the start, I was just like, "Oh, this is great! I can sort of just see my see my kids." And had I had a little bit more flexibility in working, you know, one day a week for myself, and um, it's sort of just the just the need in the area grew. I could say that I already knew actually working at the community health center that we would we would see children for their certain number of sessions and then we'd say you need to go privately and I would get about three phone calls a week saying you've referred me privately and I can't find anyone and there was just not a lot of services in our area so that sort of worked in my favor because I already had a great rapport with everyone in the area I knew that the doctors the pediatricians and then it sort of just took off a bit from there you could say so then you probably went part full time and then when what were your reasons for recruiting and starting to build team um for me again it came down to I can only do so much if I want to help you know 50 kids I can help them but the way that I looked at it if I could help if I could train another speech therapist and then we could see 100 between the two of us that would be a lot more impactful and um, that would be a lot better for the children in the area so essentially that's why I hired my first speech therapist and I think I actually probably hired an admin before her which best decision I ever made it was one of I think hiring my admin was like the biggest sort of like risk I felt at the time like hiring a speechy not a big risk because that's what I knew but hiring an admin um, was a big risk, but best decision I ever made in terms of getting somebody yeah. to help with all that. Mm. Um, and then I, I hired my first speechy, who still is in the clinic today, six years later. So it would just sort of um, then snowballed a bit from that, I would say, with teams. So we, you sort of, I felt like I was, um, I guess when you start up, you're a bit directed by your clientele. So, you know, as you get more clientele, then you hire another person, get more clientele, hire another person. Um, you know, five years ago, I feel like every time I put a job ad out, I would have species applying. So it was it was just pretty straightforward. And I really liked that part of the business, or I discovered I really liked that part of the business in mentoring and training the species that came through. And I really liked um, practically working with them and showing them, you know, in sessions, like what to do, not just sort of like just a, a lecture type thing. But I like them coming in to watch and physically see results. But um, I think with having a team, it causes you to either grow a lot or you've got to learn a lot. So we actually did keep growing. And Probably I was both. doing, yeah, yeah, I yeah, know, it goes hand in hand. But I did have a business coach at the time. And so I think that's um, something that generally happens with coaching. You know, they want to help you grow your business. And so we did, I did grow the business and there was a definite need for it. However, I just, it was, a, I think we, I just had a very busy personal time in life as well. Like I was getting married, um, we, were, we were buying a house. And I think, 
you know, you're trying to put business and your personal life together. And it just got a bit, it got a bit much. So I actually had like a team of 12 at that time. And I, I just was a bit emotionally drained. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, my employees were getting the best of me and the best mm-hmm. out of the workplace. So I actually decided I I um, finished up coaching and then I decided, you know, a little bit after that just to sort of decrease the business in a bit of a way because I just felt like I wasn't doing anything well because you just spread mm. out over so many different areas. So um, the team then decreased to sort of what we have today, which is the four full-timers. And I think in that it's just all learning and growing, but um, we'll grow again. <laughs> We'll grow again eventually. But I think the team, for me, the biggest thing I've learned with having a team is that you have to do it well. Like you can't just hire another speechy because there's another need. Um, There's another caseload there. You know, you've got to put so many systems in place and procedures and you've really got to have the time and the investment there and the right people in the right roles to make sure that your speechies or your team feel really supported. So that's a very long-winded answer to that question. (laughs) Yeah, I can barely remember what the question was, but I'm still enjoying <laughs> listening to you. Sorry, so thing. thank you. Um, I think uh, I think business owners often put a lot of pressure, rightly, on their business management skills because that's absolutely critical for the business to not grow, not so much grow, but to actually scale and get the results that they uh, kind of want. But sometimes um, it comes as a bit of a surprise that they're is also this leadership component as well mm. and um, that uh, all of a sudden you've got all of these souls in the room and you're responsible for for them on all sorts of different levels. Ultimately, they're responsible for themselves. But, you know, to be able to kind of learn and step forward with your own personal development and you've got to be able to lead yourself first before you can lead others and we've all faltered on on that front. And mm. the, the, the whole... Um, the need for uh, authentic kind of leadership often catches up on people when um, the team is almost outgrowing their skill set for one of a better mm. expression. And I hear this in all sorts of different colours and shapes and sizes that got too big, it got too busy, we were sort of not retaining people or we weren't recruiting or attracting. And there's all this other stuff that is all about the people, not just the business machinery. Um that sounds as though your experience was kind of comparable to that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You can only, I learned, mm. you can only grow as, as big as, your business can only grow as big as you grow. And so, yep. you know, if yep. you're doing all this work on the outside, growing a team, um, you know, well, in my personal experience, it then caught up with me. Because, you know, like you said, it's a big responsibility. Um, you know, yeah. you have employees that you look after their livelihood with their wet with um, their wages and things. So, yeah, you, you definitely have to have that leadership, I think. You have, you have to develop that leadership set of skills. Um, and, you know, whether you do that beforehand, you know, or you just get thrown into it, either way, I think it's, you do have to do yeah. some sort of personal development. Yeah, I reckon it's an evolving skill set. You know, the leader you are now probably won't be the leader that you will be or need to be in a year, two, five years kind of time. Yeah. So it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a moving it's a moving one. Now, speaking of responsibility, 
there was a little baby um, at the start yeah. of 2020 and then a pandemic. What did, uh, how did that shape you and your business? Mm, so I had Evie, yeah, January 2020. So she was actually born um, right in the middle of when we were having a massive heat wave in, uh, we, I live out in Western Sydney. So she's experienced, you know, COVID, she's experienced floods, she's experienced fires, she's experienced oh, that's um, right. hot yes. days. So she's experienced everything in her, more in her life than what I've currently experienced in terms of natural disasters. But it, it made for a very interesting time. Obviously, you're just navigating being a mum and navigating all that comes with that and just the change with your family. Um, we also moved when she was three weeks old, so I wouldn't recommend doing that again. <laughs> but um, I, I think if in the lead up to having her, I just, I really wanted, so I'd had the business for six years at that time um, and I was kind of like at the point where why have I done all this work in my business? Why have I set up a business if I don't feel like I can go and actually have a baby? Um, and so I thought, yeah, yeah, because I thought, well, you know, mm. it's it's great to be helping the children and it's great to be um, helping your employees. But, you know, for something as having a baby, if if I didn't feel, there was a point where I felt like I couldn't do that. And I thought, well, is it worth it than having a business? You know, would I just be better mm-hmm. off going back to an employee role where I actually get maternity leave and have time to have a family? So I thought, no, I, I really think that, you know, I haven't worked this hard for nothing in, in business. I really want to give it a good go of trying to get the business, um, you know, try and do what I can to develop the business's procedures, systems, structures, the team, all that in the lead up to having. Um, Evie and then trying to have some time off uh, after and so it was pretty hard before before I had her but I did manage to sort of um, um, I wouldn't say leave the business but be physically not here in the business I think is the word Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and have her and have some time off which was great Um, I was I probably would have come back a lot sooner physically into the clinic but because of COVID um, that did change things as well so COVID um, it was actually probably not many people would say this but it was probably a great time for me to have a baby and then COVID hit because with a new baby I wasn't going out or doing anything anyway so it wasn't like I was missing out on anything and it did give us a lot of good quality family time at home and it gave me a lot um, I think a lot more opportunity to think about how we obviously make the business work with physically not being at the premises, which was helpful for my situation of being mm. at home. So obviously, um, like most businesses, we we put all of our team working from home and things like that. And it, that wasn't too difficult because most of our things are online these days anyway. Um, most of the girls have their own software and uh, their own devices and laptops that we give them. So that actually wasn't too bad. Um, Once we sort of were able to set families up with, you know, um, their online accounts and things like that, it was actually able, we were actually able to make it run quite well. Um, But I think, I honestly think though, like a lot of the hard work that I put in before having Evie allowed us to, work through COVID a little bit more successfully had I not 
um, done that because we just had some yeah. sort of systems and structures in place for when I was not here, which then sort of mm. was COVID. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. it's very, yeah, it's very different having a baby. I feel like you're in a constant state of transition, which is business. So I feel like business prepared me and well parenthood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you sort of just master one thing and then something new comes up, but that's business. So <laughs> Yeah. It's sort of um yeah, yeah it's it's a definitely a journey, but good, a good journey and good opportunities. Yeah. I um I kind of uh appreciate um the piece around uh that the business is actually running you, you know, for way too long when I had my practice, the business was running me. And then gradually we were able to I was able to reorient that so that the business was serving me and that um, I was mm. running the business, not the business running me. And by the time I sold my practice, I was kind of in there five shortish days, um, mm. no evenings, no weekends, nothing. Um, I could yeah. be there or not kind of be there for parts of that mm. week or certainly parts of the a month and stuff. And, um, yeah, we, you know, just had, you know, that infrastructure and those systems that you are talking about, um, they tend to be your ticket to freedom, but they're also the ticket to the commercial value of your business as well because, you know, I then sold my practice and what I sold was our operating system um, and our mm. policies and, and procedures as well. So it then served you well to be able to flip to remote home-based services um, and online therapy. Um, and then what else did you get up to across last year? Because you've kind of haven't been, uh, haven't been snoozing. No, I actually thought I, I would, but I think once you get a taste for business and if you really love it, then it sort of is just there in you. Mm. Um, but I was at home with Evie. So obviously this is all through the, the COVID time as well. And um, I was just, it's just also a bit circumstantial, I would say. I was in a couple of meetings with Speech Pathology Australia um, on a few um, private practice boards and talking to the team members. And they were sort of saying like, there's a real lack of mentors in speech pathology and then um, there was obviously like last year with COVID a lot of university students couldn't complete placements um, the way they normally would so there was a lot of gaps in their learning and we were getting a lot of um, requests for people to come and do observations at our clinic because they were just um, students were feeling like very ill-equipped because they hadn't had exposure like they previously would and um I was talking to a representative from SPA and they said to me that um, on average they would get about five calls a week from people who are registered speech pathologists asking for mentoring and they just can't meet that need. And so I thought, I thought, well, <laughs> it sounds silly looking back now, but I thought I had, a, you know, like a lot of time because I wasn't in the business working like every day at the clinic. I felt like I had a lot of time. So I thought, well, why don't I try and help some of these students out or try and solve a problem, which is essentially what you, the question that you ask all the, all the time in business, you're like, how can I solve this problem? So um, we've had a, a mentoring program that I've put together and developed and we've been using in our clinic for the last seven years. And I thought, what would that look like to make it an online program to actually help speeches outside of my clinic or to help speeches who um, aren't getting that practical experience for their placements. 
Um, so I just sort of started hunting around and I couldn't really find anything um, in the area of preschool language, which for the speeches out there, it's working with a child who's from the ages of about two to five and you work on helping them to understand different concepts and then to sort of talk and use sentences. And there wasn't any sort of information out there. There was, um, you know, a few worksheets that you could download and use, but there wasn't any instruction on how to use them. So I, yeah, just decided during nap time to start putting together in a little bit more of an official way um, a, a program that would mentor students or speeches in preschool language. And so um, I just sort of started writing down what I, how I would normally teach a child in my therapy sessions. I then wrote down, um, you know, different games that I would use and different sort of, um, I guess, strategies that you can use to elicit mm. the best out of a child and, and make progress with them. And I started talking to my team about it. And we have a couple of students that work casually for us. And they were just like, this is amazing. You know, this is, this is, this would be really helpful if we had this while we were at uni. And then my students were saying, we have never been taught any of this. So I thought, okay, like, let's, let's try. Um, and I, I did three days of teaching for free online and I had 250 people show up for that, that free teaching. And all I did was put Instagram posts up. Like I didn't, um, and I created a new Instagram account from, from scratch. Um, I didn't um, put money into marketing it. I just sort of put that out there and it was sort of just a, a trial to see, you know, would this, would people be interested in it? And the response was amazing. And the feedback that I got was amazing saying that people had never learnt like this before or had never heard how to teach a child um, in such a structured way or in such a detailed way. So that sort of just birthed a new, a new course, which mm. is now called the um, Preschool Language Accelerator. So um, I, we currently have 40 students and um, new graduates who are in like, say, one to two years of experience, and they're completing that 12-month course with me. So um, it's still like in the very beginning stages of, of you know, being a course or helping, but essentially it's coming back to again help just trying to solve that need for speeches to have the ability to help children and to feel confident yeah. in how they're helping them in therapy so it's um yeah it's still a work in progress I'm doing another challenge at the end of July like I've just done one at this stage um and that's a free it's um teaching for three nights for free and then they can choose to enroll in the course if they want or not but it's just um, at the end of the day, it comes back to helping children and how we're going to help children. We've got to help our speeches and make sure that speeches are feeling confident and trained. So I definitely didn't sit around last year, <laughs> but I think um, just that's like I said at the start, that's, I just love being a speechy and I just love helping mm. children. So mm. if I can help more children, help more speeches, that's what I want to do. <laughs> And what sort of feedback are you getting about the program? Really great feedback. To be honest, I, I wasn't sure, you know, what people would think about it, but mm. the specific things that they're saying are like um, we would never have implemented, you know, four steps in teaching. We would have only implemented one, and that's what we learned at uni. So I teach them how to implement a concept four different ways with a child. 
And so then they've been using it with their children in their therapy sessions and saying, oh, my goodness, I'm seeing the lights come on with the, with the children. Or I'm actually feeling confident in talking to parents about the goals because I know as, my, as a clinician what the specific goals are that I'm targeting. Um, I've had some feedback from a couple of the CEs that are mentoring the students at uni and the CEs have been saying, I've noticed such an improvement with the student's ability to help this child in placement. You know, like what they've what you've been teaching or what they've been learning has been really beneficial for them. So I didn't expect to ever get any feedback like that, but it's mm. just it's amazing. And I guess um, I've treated many children, many many children, thousands of children using these exact methods. And so then they've been discharged, and you know they're they're confident in life now and they're doing well because the parents were such a small area that you run into people all the time and they they see you and talk to you. And they often come back into the clinic to visit. So it's just um, been really lovely feedback to get from people. And it's amazing to see that sort of change happening for them. Yeah. And for their, yeah, their, their clients. Ripple, ripple effect. Yeah. Ripple effect. Yeah. So you've got yeah. uh, kind of the speech pathology business and now the, the teaching kind of business. Where do you think the business is going to go in this in the next 12 months, hopefully with less COVID interference, but we're recording this mm. as Sydney's buying up yeah. masks. Yes, yes. Where do you, where do you uh, think it's going to go in the next 12 months? Um, well, hopefully we will grow. Um, that's actually very hard for me to say because I haven't actually wanted to grow for a very, and we haven't grown our team for a very long time. However, we've just had um, a new vision day in our clinic and our vision is to help children um, develop, you know, that connect, a connection through communication and it's help, to help them have a sense of belonging and to improve their self-esteem. And when you have a vision like that, you can't just not let it grow because mm-hmm. you can never stop helping children and, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. So um, we probably are going to, tr- we, we're going to try to grow the business um, by putting on a few more speeches and um, helping them with their mentoring that way. We are going to try and grow the business a little bit. Um, so obviously through speeches, but then also through maybe hosting some events and things like that for parents because our waiting lists aren't going away. So it's a, it, I think it's a definite growth, but it's a different type of growth to what we would normally say, you know, in terms of just growing our team and growing the number of clients in the business. Um, and then with this speechy academy, I just hope that I can keep reaching more speeches and more, um, I guess, pe- people who employ speeches so that they can feel like their training speeches up well as well. So definitely growth. Definitely, I guess you can call it a little bit of scale um, and connecting with more parents, I think. Yeah, there's lots of ways to kind of develop or expand a a business. You know, it doesn't have to be vertical as such. It doesn't have to be more of this, more of that, more of something else. It can also be by width and and impact and you can also kind Mm. of do both as well. Um, You know, sometimes this whole thing of growing your business, it kind of gets a bit of a bad rap, Um, which I just find fascinating because you swap out Mm. growth and you put in expand and all of a sudden everyone's kind of breathing more deeply or you take that out and you put in scale and then people are just bewildered. So we get (laughs) so 
attached to the unhelpful language at time. I can't believe I'm saying that to a speech here, but never mind. Um, <laughs> and so there's lots of ways to do business. And what I love about the work that we do is that everybody's businesses, everyone's business is unique and different and reflects them and the way they want things done, um, which is, you know, just such a delight to see that businesses can be unique and an expression of the owner and, you know, mm. committed to impact and development uh, without kind of taking over the over the planet. Um, what are your <laughs> thoughts on that? I, I completely agree with you, what, with what you're saying. I really like, I've never actually heard anyone put it that way, that you can expand out or expand up and there's different ways to expand well, your both. business. Yep. And mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, Traditionally, people just think oh, I've just got to keep growing, like growing um, in terms of hiring people and, and expanding yeah. that way. But yeah, but sometimes I actually found that that was not the pro- most profitable way to run a business. And because you do, you know, you're just expenses increase and things. And unless you are very smart about it, um, sometimes that's not the way to go, which is interesting. Um, but mm. I think as well, the I think the main thing that um, I've learned with having a team is that in order for people to feel really satisfied and want to stay with you long term they have to be given options to have a bit of momentum or to have a bit of progression Mm -hmm. or to have the choice not to take the momentum or the progression and so I think as a business owner if we do grow and scale now it's actually now for my team because I am totally fine with where our business is at at the moment um, it's a nice balance between personal life and business life. But um, if te- team members have said they want progression, they want a mentor, and I think that then is probably um, a reason why behind the scale. So it's interesting because everyone has different reasons and different sort of Yeah, different um, motivations. Theories. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I completely agree with you. You know, it's it's thinking outside the box a little bit sometimes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, kind of sounds a little onwards and upwards for you in the next uh, 12 months. Um, could be a bit of vertical, could be a bit of horizontal, but it's going to be <laughs> kind of high high impact um, and very so values-based true. impact um, by uh, what yeah. you've kind of said. What are your kind of final gems for business owners? You know, what, what would you love to share or kind of... Um. Oh, there's so many things you could say because there's so many different, you know, stages, whether you're a new business owner or you're an experienced business owner. I think the main thing is, which is what we've been saying, is you have to at some point not let your business dictate your life. You And you have to have a little bit of freedom and flexibility, which you you are the only one that can create that and are responsible for that in your business. So you know, you can't expect um, you to have flexibility unless you put that time on your diary or unless you allow that or work towards some systems or some structures where, or you hire um, to sort of help that. I feel like a lot of the times we, you know, try to sort of do a lot ourselves or we try to keep the money close, but sometimes the best investment has actually been spending the money, getting that administration, getting that um, PA, that VA, and you know, yes, you don't have as much money in your bank account, but then it's the balance of um, having your time, whether that's with your family yep. or to do things. So I think that's the the biggest, biggest thing. <laughs> mm. 
Sometimes I talk to business owners who've got a team of four clinicians and no admin, and I just about break out in hives because I can yeah. only imagine how much work that is. And we know that that work goes into the evenings and into the weekends, and the business owner is a full-time business owner, sometimes a full-time clinician, sometimes a full-time practice manager. And it's yeah. just not fun. It's just not fun. Oh, my heart just breaks yeah. for that stuff. But um, yeah, yeah it's, it's a great example of, no, it's a great example of where money can help you reclaim time. And it's not an expense. It's an absolute investment in your sustainability. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. I don't know how yeah. we wouldn't do it without our admin, the backbone of mm. our business. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you would love to add into the years of uh, business owners out there? I think we've got it all at this stage. I think everyone's in it together and just support Mm. each other. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you so much for sharing your adventure to date. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thanks for having me on. It's been great to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Private Practice Made Perfect podcast is brought to you by Experts on Air Podcast Network.